Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the latest Forza Italian Football Podcast. As usual, I am your host, Connor Clancy. I'm joined by the other usual suspects, and one of them is behaving typically unpredictably. Kev Pogzelski, hello, firstly, but secondly, what are you doing? My, uh, my, my audio equipment, which is just my, my Bluetooth headphones, I can hear their rustling when they touch my shirt. So it was move it to the back of my neck or take my shirt off. And for your eyes, I've done the uh, the former. It's never stopped you from taking your shirt off in the past. You're True. concerned for what I have to look at. <laughs> but um, on on the point of audio, I should apologise to the listeners because last week there was a bit of a, a bit of a problem with levels. We're going to try and address that this week. We're we're looking into some different solutions. So just please. Uh, bear with us we are sorry but we're trying to fix it as best we can we are also joined by the one person on the pod who doesn't have um, problems with his audio it's Vito Doria Vito it's a pleasure to speak to you as always yes and likewise uh, it's always great to have the two chats as we are uh, I mean we have become pretty much a settled team over the last almost two years or so so it's great to have this familiarity uh, how about you Connor looks like based uh, on your Skype viewing, that you're back in Ireland. I am back in Ireland, yeah, and I knew you'd be the one to notice it. Yeah, um, basically, with the latest restrictions that came into place in Italy, I'm expecting there to be, if not a lockdown, a close enough to lockdown that it wouldn't justify me being there. And with Christmas coming up not too far away, 
but if I get home now, I could get two months here with the dog. And then by the time Christmas comes and goes, the levels will have reduced and I can get back out to Italy safely. So who knows what's going to happen. But it, it, I'm in a bit of a funny situation because I could be in a, I could have to fly back to Italy on the 23rd of this month. I'm hoping to not have to do that and get like eight weeks back in Ireland. So breathable air away from the Pianura Padana, as, as you saw on, on my Twitter feed earlier on yes. today. That, unbelievable unbelievable um Kev, you okay yeah i was just found it interesting that you were going home for the dog and not family <laughs> <laughs> um as i was saying that uh, my, my dad listens to this podcast regularly so um, he knows he knows um serious note Kev, how are you feeling yeah yeah better almost all the symptoms are gone um before we came on i was discussing maybe some long covid but well, I was doing some uh, chores around the house, but it must just be that I'm might just be that I'm out of the shape after uh, after seven months of practically doing nothing and sat on my bottom. Yeah, well, Vito Doria has pointed out that you're in particularly giddy mood this evening, and you've brought along a mug. Which, I mean, I've never seen you use that mug on the podcast before. That's all I'll say. Well, it's it was my choice. Uh, Stacy bought me a, a cup of tea to to see me off before she went up to bed and uh, she chose a very fetching uh, LFC mug after our victory in Atlanta. It's very, um, very apt. I nearly complimented the mug as well because it looked like uh, it's in the design of that Croatia shirt, you know, the red and white checks and I, I was about <laughs> to compliment it and then I saw the gold liver bird and I thought, best not. Best just keep my mouth shut on that one but there you go. There you go. Um, should... I can't remember if you answered the question, Kev. Are you feeling okay generally? Obviously, last week we discussed that you had tested positive for COVID. One of the loyal listeners, Frank, who is... I think everyone involved with Calcio Twitter will say that he's one of the most valued members. He's always about. He he joined us in wishing you well, so I'm sure you appreciate that. But are you on the mend? Yes, yes, very much on the mend. And hopefully that's most of COVID gone. Yes, hopefully, hopefully. Well, and. I mean, in the wider scheme of things as well, the, the vaccine news obviously very, very promising today by far from being anything confirmed yet. But I mean, it looks better than it has in the last 11 months. So small positives, but we're not here to talk about that. You guys hear enough about that in your daily lives. I'm sure if your lives are anything like mine, which to be fair, I hope they're not. But we're going to talk about some Serie A because another week has come and gone we're into the international break now i'm not too disappointed although i do feel like these early season breaks really stunt the the fluidity and the flow of how the season progresses early on but it was a strange week there were one two three four five six draws from the 10 games and considerably fewer goals than we have seen in recent, not just weeks, but seasons in Serie A. And before we get into the specific matches, Vito, Patrick Kendrick, commentator, and I mentioned him on the pod before, a friend of FIF, he pondered whether that this lack of goals this weekend was down to players suffering from fatigue. Has he got a point in asking that question? 
it's perhaps a bit early to suggest that fatigue might be the concern. I think it's really just the matter of uh, teams just trying to sort each other out and uh, the way certain rounds play out. I've noticed in other leagues that uh, there have been rounds where they have had a shortage of goals too. So although compared to the other rounds of Serie A, this round wasn't the most uh, prolific, but we've had other goal fests previously. And uh, looking at the other leagues, there were a few rounds where they didn't have many goals, especially La Liga, I noticed, but uh, they had a bit more in this round. And uh, Bundesliga... They pretty much went back to normal with their share of Goldfest this weekend, but I noticed in other rounds there wasn't a lot. So sometimes it's also just a matter of uh, who plays who and what tactics they put out on the field. I mean, I don't know how long we're going to go into Sassuolo with Udinese, but when for, for a matter of speaking, when you have a team like Udinese that plays the way they do, it's not easy for a team as exciting, free-flowing as Sassuolo to just produce the four or five goals that we expect them to. Kev, you shook your head. Can we talk about that? Because that was dour. Oh my God. If if people have listened to this podcast for a while, they know that we wouldn't be opposed to seeing Udinese get relegated. Kev, this game showed exactly why we wouldn't be disappointed to see the back of them. Yeah, I'm... Um... I'm not a great lover of a, a Friday night game of football, but after uh, Sassuolo Torino a couple of weeks ago, um, which, as you get, wasn't great for, for the majority of the game, had a sort of flurry of activity. But I found myself watching this wishing that the fog would descend on the stadium <laughs> and shield it from my eyes because um, it was just truly dreadful and proof, uh, I think, that Udinese can suck the life out of of most teams and maybe that's how they're going to stay up by drawing their way um, to sort of 35, 40 points this season. But yeah, there's just, there's just something very, very unwatchable. Um, if I've just made that word up about Udinese and just, and just sad really that they did it to to Sassuolo. Um, What do you make of the kits? I didn't want to get onto the kits. Um, I, I I chose to to try and ignore the fact that Sassuolo were not wearing their usual colours. I noticed a a one hundred on the badge, so I'm assuming you're going to tell me that they were wearing it because they 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 for, formed and were wearing green and blue uh, when they when they became about. But I didn't look into why they chose to um, sully their tradition. No, no, the badges changed this season for their centenary year. Um, this kit was just released, I think, the day before the game, so it was very much done for promotional purposes. I don't think we've talked... I know this is ridiculous, starting with Sassuolo and I say nil-nil, given the games that took place this week, but I just want to get it out of the way, to be honest. I don't think we've addressed Udinese's kit this season either. It's It's awful. Oh, the worst... I'll, I'll let Vito come in after this, but the... The thing I hate about it is if it if you've got a two digit number, it doesn't quite fit. It doesn't quite fit within that gap that they've allowed through the sash. But that, that's all I'll say because they've had some awful kits anyway over the years. It's classic Udinese. 
I'm probably in the minority thinking that it's not that bad, but the reason I say that is because it's a real flashback to the 1980s. So, um, you know, when I see Old Udinese again, especially when the Brazilian great Zico played for them for two seasons, they had that design. So that's that's probably the only reason uh, I have some sort of liking to it, just the nostalgia around it. But yeah, putting that aside, um, it's not it's not too much to write about. Fair point, I suppose. You've made a point well. It's very much on brand for you. I'm going to give you guys a choice um, because there were three, well, two really big games this week and another that turned out to be quite a big result. The two obvious games are Lazio-Juventus finished 1-1, Atalanta-Inter finished 1-1, and then Milan-Verona finished 2-2. So, Vito, we'll start with you. Which of those three games would you like us to start with? Ooh, Look, I'll, we'll start with uh, Milan since they are on top of the table and also I did the player ratings for FIF, so we can head into that. Let's do it. I mean, it just showed how much the mentality of that club has changed, right? Ibrahimovic misses a penalty. They have a goal ruled out in stoppage time and then within, I don't know, one minute of the, the restart of that disallowed goal, Ibrahimovic just scores anyway. The... The willpower alone that is getting me on these results is quite impressive, Vita. Oh, it's uh, incredible how they even uh, managed to keep on persisting. They w- they did uh, until the final whistle. I thought that Verona in general probably should have counterattacked a little bit more and not just uh, defend as much as they did, but. Uh, Probably in the last decade or so, we've seen Milan not show the mental resolve to sort of just keep on battling and persisting in the way they did. But uh, it also shows how important Ibrahimovic is once again. He was having a rather poor game, you know, missing that penalty. Um, he missed a few other chances. And there were times where, although he had some good link-up there were other times where he probably wasn't as influential or the service to him wasn't that great. So um, I think it would uh, take someone with his sort of mental strength to score that header later on because I think players who don't have his confidence would not have scored that header or have persisted in the way he did. Brahim Diaz didn't come on until the 78th minute in this one Kev is there something about like did Pioli wait a little bit too long to to make those changes in search of a result not sure about that I didn't I, I kind of had uh, well I suppose I did actually watch most of this game but I think um, <clears throat> Verona Verona was sitting so deep and Milan were in full control towards the end of the game that Sometimes you can, yeah, unless it's going tragically wrong and you're not creating chances, you can make changes for the for the sake of it. Particularly now we've got the the five substitutes for as long as they're here, um, so I I wouldn't feel too badly about the time it took Pioli to make changes really, because um, I think a goal was would have would have came anyway. Like you say, that that mental strength that that Milan are now showing. You might not feel badly about that, but I, I, I feel really bad for Frank Kessie because when he rocked up at Milan, he was told he was taking the number 19 shirt, which he had obviously worn with Atalanta. But then 
whatever it was, a couple of days later, Leo Bonucci came along and said, no, that's mine, and I'm captain. So Kessie's been stuck with the number 79 since, and he was penalty taker, and I don't know if he ever missed one. He, he always scores his penalties. Even with Atalanta, he was the same. Now Ibrahimovic has taken over penalty taking duty despite the fact that Vito he's not he's not been very good at them this season no he's missed three so yeah it's a very poor record and uh, Ibrahimovic said after the game that from now on he'll give the duties back to Cassie so hopefully he keeps his word and uh, Cassie does start taking them again because He's got a thunderous kick and it'd be very hard for any top goalkeeper to save Cassie's penalties. Yeah, It's best for Ibra to weave his magic in open play. It's weird though, because Ibrahimovic used to be an amazing penalty taker. And even the most recent one he scored this season kind of squirmed in, you know. And Kev, is there anything you can take from it or is it just a little weird thing that's happening lately with Ibra? Yeah, I think it's probably just a little little weird thing. I saw somebody tweet over the weekend that this was the best he's playing the best football of his career. I think it was like from a generic account somewhere that probably doesn't focus that much on European football outside of whatever league they're they're, they're focusing on anyway. But I thought to myself, that's a that's a strong strong um, attitude to have over, you know, someone who's had the career that he's had. But yeah, it's probably just one of those and if you've missed three penalty kicks on the on the bounce, you're probably best handing um, duties over to somebody else, even if it's just for a short time. Well, I mean, Ibrahimovic did become the first Milan player to score in seven consecutive Serie A appearances in the three points for a win era. He's 39. Oh, yeah, it's a great age. <laughs> well, you I would wish, say that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I wish I could do the things that he could do with his body <laughs> or play at the level that he could. As you said earlier. Yeah. You were out of breath <laughs> yeah, putting yeah. together a chest of drawers yeah. that's, that's long. That's long, that's long COVID. I'm sure it's long COVID. Um, but yeah, I think there's an element that even though he's still physically, um, you know, a wonderful specimen of any human, regardless of age, um, he is tailoring his game to, to sort of suit the needs of the team, to suit the needs of his body probably, uh, and to get the most out of it for probably another, dare I say, a couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't look like stopping anytime soon. I was asked over the weekend what happens next with him. And I was immediately thinking of big clubs that he could go to because I I don't see this being the end, you know? He's too good. He really is too good. Um, but we've spoken about that before. There was a Serie A icon on show, a footballing icon on show at the Stadio Olimpico in Rome. Because Cristiano Ronaldo scored the opener for Juve at Lazio, but the king, Felipe Caicedo, scored when he always scores, right? He popped up in stoppage time with another decisive goal for the Bianco Celeste. And Vito, I, I don't know how he does this, but he always scores in stoppage time. It's uh, quite bizarre how he keeps on managing to do it with its... Uh down to mental strength or whether he prefers to play in just a limited time frame and have that mindset that he's only got a short period of time to do something. So he's probably able to make an impact with limited time than instead of just playing a full game where 
you know, sometimes maybe people become complacent. Um, it's uh, not easy to have one single answer for it, but uh, Kaiser has definitely developed a knack for scoring these late goals, and I think it's very important that Lazio have that because Immobile is out with COVID, and um, Morici, the Kosovo striker, is a good physical presence, but. Uh, um, I think he still needs a bit of time settling in with the Bianco Celesti. What's happening with Caicedo, Kev? Is it one of those things that the more it happens, the more it will happen as well? Because teams see him come on and think, oh, he's going to score because he always scores. Or is it at the point now where he should probably be starting games more often? No, I think it's an element of, you know, psychologically, you know, we just spoke about uh, Ibrahimovic missing three penalties and he's probably overthinking when he steps up to the spot. And when Team C Casado come on, they're probably thinking, oh, he got that last minute winner week before or, you know, in midweek or whenever it was. And he's also going on thinking, you know, oh, this is what that, this is what I'm you know, born to do if you, you know, to take a phrase. And it's maybe where that gives him the confidence to take that shot on because it was, it was an expert turn to almost shield the ball and swivel. You know, he killed it dead with his left foot and then swiveled to take it. it was right. If he hasn't had those goals before, a couple of weeks, um, you know, a couple of weeks that he's had, then maybe if Luis Alberto or anybody is at the edge of the box, he doesn't take that shot. That second touch is laying it off to the edge of the box. And I think so that sort of... Um, facilitates that sort of ongoing momentum to get those late goals because you're willing to take that chance because you're full of confidence. Um, certainly something that, you know, maybe others haven't had. And probably when you are when you look at the game as a whole, that lack of confidence, um, you know, I tweeted about it, you could almost see that equaliser coming because Juve were sort of going further and further back towards their own goal and they looked, they looked really... Well, that lack of confidence that they could go up the end, other other end and actually kill the game off. It was more hold what we've got rather than let's go and put Lazio out of sight, which in previous seasons you would have expected Juve to go and just put the opposition out of sight as opposed to try and hold what they had. Um, it was interesting to see. If you want to start putting fingers, I thought at the time that the decision to take off Cristiano Ronaldo and Kulusevski, who both came off the pitch at the same time, was a strange one. I know Cristiano Ronaldo had his knock and he's whatever he's done to his ankle. But you, you saw his reaction. He saw his number go up and he pointed at himself and looked to the bench and go, me? And they said yes. And he wasn't happy coming off. And Kulusevski was an outlet for them as well. When he got the body kept it and he looked like he was troubling. Could I invite one of you to maybe raise some questions about that decision? It seemed that uh, it was a bit unusual from Pirlo because um, the way the Italian media are trying to portray him that he's this young and unknown coach, but uh, especially from the head of coaching at Coverciano, uh, Renzo Olivieri, um, he's apparently meant to be a more attack-minded coach, but uh, this kind of decision seems to be more or less of your old-school Italian pragmatism, so... I wonder if it's just a bit of inexperience on Pirlo's part on how to deal with these situations, especially in big fixtures. Uh, if we're talking about you know, the specifics of certain individuals and all that, I thought probably Ronaldo should have killed this game even at half-time because he had one chance that went wide and another effort hit the 
post. So um, perhaps if Juve were 3-0 up instead of just 1-0 up, that might have changed the complexion of the game completely. But um, yeah, again, I think it's just a matter of uh, Pirlo, I think, is already at Juve, and uh, it would have been better if he had tried to get his experience elsewhere. But uh, yeah, these kind of things, I think he'll have to learn faster than usual because he's coaching the Bianconeri. You made an interesting point about the Ronaldo misses, and one of them I thought was particularly strange, the one which came back off the woodwork, because it came back towards him, but he was too busy putting his hand on his head because he missed the first chance that the defender was just able to mop it up. And I, I thought, come on. I, I just I don't think he would have stood there watching his shot hit the post a couple of years ago. I think he would have been desperately trying to get it to get another goal, but... I don't know. Um, on to Lazio, you mentioned, Vita, that Morici started up top. And, I mean, when I saw that, I thought, okay, Lazio are going to be whipping balls into the box left, right and centre. But in the first half, they, they, they weren't. I mean, try use the big man to his strength, surely. Yeah, that's right. When you look at the uh, Lazio team, they have uh, you know, Manuel Lazzari, who, at least at Spa, was considered to be the best crosser in Serie A, and uh, he got a lot of assists through his wing play. And uh, Mohamed Fares, uh, he's a decent left wing back too, so um, that should uh, have sold the whole Johnny conundrum from last season, and also with Senad Lulic not getting any younger, um, it's important that uh, Fares can put in some good crosses from the left. And... Uh, with the height Morici has, I think it's best that you got to use his aerial ability and not play the ball to his feet. It's different when Immobile is playing. Uh, when he's on, you're better off uh, keeping the ball on the ground and making sure that Immobile can make a late run into the box or um, you know, at least make runs from different areas of the pitch and play the ball to his feet then in the air. Is it time to be concerned about Juve? Kev, seven games in, three wins, one of them, I mean, look, we know what happened there. Um, there was a lot of Napoli fan accounts saying, oh, on the pitch, on the pitch, and all of this, but it's not been great, has it? No, I think if, um, you know, if I was a Juve fan, I'd be concerned regarding a, you know, a recapture in the title, because even with some of the results that they've Sort of, sort of save them a little. The the performances haven't been great. Um, you, you would imagine they would still have enough to qualify for the Champions League. I don't think they'll do particularly well in Europe this year. But of course, um, saying that they'll still qualify for the Champions League is not what Juventus fans want to hear because they want to be securing a title, as will the powers that be at the club. With respect, Vito, they've beaten Sampdoria, who were struggling at the beginning of the season. They've beaten Spezia. They've drawn with Verona, drawn with Crotone. We're given a win against Napoli. I mean, I, I don't know. I know it's a strange season and that, but I, I don't think Pirlo is proving any of his doubters wrong at these still early stages. Inter went to Bergamo. They played Atalanta. They went 1-0 up, but at the end, Vito, they were fortunate not to have lost. Yeah, um, yeah, it's just yeah, one of those games. Yeah, probably could have gone either way, but um, 
Yeah, just especially the last few minutes, uh, uh, both teams probably had the chances to really win the game. And uh, I think at this stage, you could say, given the recent form, probably both sides would be happy just with the draw. But 1-1, uh, one, 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 maybe it should have been 2-2 two, two, or even 3-3. Three, three. Um, I think both teams at least have the ability to score more goals. Absolutely. Well, I think there were only five shots on target total from the two sides. I think Inter had three and Atalanta had two. But one of the reasons for that is because I do think both teams probably deserve credit for their defensive efforts. And one of the reasons for Atalanta's odd defensive solidity was Cristiano Romero, Kevin. I think he just provided yet more evidence that he should be the guy starting at the, the centre of their defence with Tuloy and Jim Shetty either side. I thought you were going to say it's because they shipped five goals <laughs> midweek. But, uh, You've had it twice now. We'll get the hat-trick later on, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I do rate Romero. I saw him, uh, I actually saw him against Juve for, for Genoa a couple of years ago. It was even two years ago now. Uh, might even mean the start of last season. And um, and yeah, he certainly he certainly looks solid, uh, you know, commanding. He seems to communicate quite well. You know, some of the things that you can pick up when you're watching games behind closed doors. Um, and certainly he should be in there almost as a, the first of that back line for me. And he's a he's a bit dirty as well. Well, yeah, we always like like someone who leaves a little on a challenge, don't we? Yeah, absolutely, we do. Someone who actually we should give credit to, is Serie A debutante. He made his debut in the Champions League in midweek as a substitute. I can't remember who Atalanta played, but um, he was handed a Serie A debut from the start on Sun. When was this game? Sunday? Sunday. Yes. Uh, is Matteo Ruggeri, and he's the latest to come through at Atalanta. He's 18 years old, played at left wing back in Robin Gossens' absence. And was very, very good, if not still wanting a little bit with his decisions in the final third. Vito, I know you're one who always likes to champion Italian youngsters coming through. Did um, Ruggeri impress you? Yeah, um, it's uh, uh, it's good that he's actually coming because uh, Mojica, I think, has been a little bit raw when uh, he's uh, entered the pitch for Atalanta. So he's obviously... Not of the standard of uh, uh, Gozens, but uh, no, it's good to see that Ruggeri has come in. Um, I saw before the pod that he's in the top 10 of uh, youngsters that have made the debuts this season, so that's great to see. And uh, yeah, just in uh, general, I think it's great to see another young Italian kid coming through because Atalanta has had that reputation for developing Italian youngsters, but in the last few years, I think there's been a lot more imports coming to the squad. So it's uh, great to see that um, they're willing to give another local a chance. And uh, with Gasparini, you know that uh, he knows how to improve a player tenfold. So I think uh, um, Atalanta is the ideal team and environment for any youngster, not just Ruggeri, to improve as a footballer. Particularly in that position, right? Gaspin is wing-backs. I mean, he's not had a bad one since he's been with Atalanta, even though some of those have gone on elsewhere to not be as good. So it will be interesting to see his development. One thing I really liked from this game was actually watching Ruggeri and how Papu Gomez as captain 
was communicating with him throughout the game. So often Papa would be quite visibly annoyed that he didn't choose the right pass, but he wouldn't show that to him. He turned around and said, look, good, keep it up, doing well, and give him some applause. I thought it was quite nice from the captain, to be honest. But um, Alexi Moranchuk, he has now scored in his Serie A and Champions League debut for Atalanta. With him and Sam Lammers coming off the bench, Kev, Atalanta, their their attacking options, they're they're even deeper than they were because these two players look like they can make a difference every time they step on the pitch. Yeah, and and they seem to me as something a little bit different. We spoke last week about Sabata and Muriel being relatively similar, but able to play together, and. Um, it just looks like they've got, I hate to call it a, a little bit more technique, but do a little bit more with the link-up link, link up play maybe, uh, or, you know, collecting the ball around the edge of the box. We saw how Moranchuk got his goal. So it's great now that Atlanta have those options if they're, they're going to get for a season, which with the European commitments and probably more of their players that have been called up for international duty like Gosens was earlier. Um We've talked about fatigue before and they're going to need that depth. They are. Sorry, I didn't realise that was you finishing. You've caught me twice in two weeks with that now. <laughs> uh, right, on to Inter, I guess. Have they found, or I mean, has Conte finally discovered what everybody already knew, Vito, which is that his best back three is Bastoni, De Vrij and Skriniar? <laughs> yeah, let's hope that it continues that way. Uh, once I saw that Kolarov was not in the starting lineup, I thought, oh, thank goodness we don't have to continue with this uh, <laughs> shambles of a transfer. Because, uh, like I said last week, or the week before, Bastoni's got to be playing in that centre-back role, or left centre-back role. Um, Kolarov's an attacking threat, but he's declined in that aspect as well. He's not what he used to be. And uh, also, with the... Bizarre big selection for the latest Italy squad. Um, at least the Bastoni has been one of those late call-ups. So I think it's well-deserved that he is featuring in the senior squad and not just in the under-21s team for the Italians. Bastoni should be the first defender on the team sheet for Mancini. Well, when you consider that... Um, well, he's a long-term option, firstly... Another option is, another thing is that Chiellini is out again, but uh, unfortunately Chiellini's 36, his body has been brittle for a good four or five years, if not longer, so uh, he cannot be dependent on to play consistently. Romagnoli has had to drop out with injury again, and uh, I do like Acerbi a lot, so he's a player that's worth including, but... Uh, yeah, just something about Bastoni. I think he's probably a bit more confident on the ball than what Acerbi is. So Acerbi probably in the defensive aspects, he's probably a bit better, more experienced. Whereas Bastoni, I think he's a more refined player, if you like. My first year in Parma, he was he was obviously on loan there from Inter. And he played alongside Bruno Alves. And it was just, you could see through every game how the Portuguese was talking him through step by step. It was almost like he was holding his hand through the games. And he improved so much over the course of that season to the point where his absence last, his absence last year really hurt Palma because they didn't have someone to 
accompany Bruno, who was as good as Bastonian. If you had said that to them at the beginning of his loan, I don't think anyone would have believed you, but he's a phenomenally talented player, like really, really talented player. Um, Kev, what happened in the, in the last minute of this game? Why wasn't Danilo D'Ambrosio penalised for trying to decapitate Mirancho? Uh, probably because of the lack of contact. Uh, I did. I thought we were going to miss this then. I thought we can't possibly miss this because I saw you going apoplectic with, with rage on the, on Twitter. Um, but his leg's so high, you know. Even if it's an honest attempt to get the ball, he's obstructed the player because he he clearly pulls out from making a header because he's conscious that he's going to get a boot in the face or somewhere near his face. And I, I, you know, I'm I'm at a loss now anyway to even know what the rule is or what we should be given or not given. But it was um, just amazing that it didn't go to VAR more than anything else. Uh, yeah, where they did look the at ref it. didn't consult it, right? Because obviously these things are checked like because someone is always watching them. So there, w- there would have been a conversation where somebody watched that back and said to the ref, no, I don't think you need to look at that again. It was unbelievable because even if there's no contact, there's an indirect free kick. Um, and obviously, it's inside the six-yard box. I think, isn't there a rule where it has to be? So if it's an indirect free kick inside the six-yard box, don't they take it from the six-yard line, I think? but I Yeah, mean, they with, move it back. With, with Malinowski on the pitch, you'd fancy that. You know, you would fancy that. Actually, I don't know if Malinowski was on at that point. I think he but might anyway, have been taken off. Yeah, but Mirancho Glamour is they've they've got options over that. I a, thought uh, that was a dreadful, dreadful decision, which I suppose I would, but I saw a lot of Atalanta fans also kicking off because of the controversy last season when these two teams met at the San Siro when Lautaro Martinez I mean he rugby tackled Rafa Tuloy's leg and again VAR decided no, you don't need to watch that back so Two scandalous decisions going against Atalanta in recent meetings with Inter, which we know how Serie A fans love a conspiracy. They don't need any help, so stop helping them. That's all with the big, big, big games. Now let's talk about some more dross, because I was at the worst game I've been at in a long, long, long time. Parma played Fiorentina in a game that can only be described as two coaches who looked to be doing their best to get themselves sacked. One of them succeeded. Beppe Iacchini is no more in charge of Fiorentina. Vito Doria. Cesare Prandelli has taken over instead of him. Have they appointed the wrong man? Again. (laughs) If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Given what uh, Prandelli has done since he left the Italy job after the 2014 World Cup, I would uh, most certainly say yes because he has not impressed me at all. Uh, that being said, although the environment and the circumstances have changed. Uh, Prandelli has coached Fiorentina in the past and according to reports in uh, the Italian press, especially from Sky Sport, uh, it does sound like Prandelli is just another stopgap solution and that possibly Fiorentina will be getting another coach next season. So hopefully Prandelli can give him a basic identity to follow or be a bit more flexible with his formation changes than Iacchini. And then let's hope next year someone like Sari or Spalletti does step in and really turn this squad into a contender for a Europa League spot or even fight for a Champions League spot because I think the talent's there. Just Iacchini was not utilising those talents in the best way possible. Yeah, I mean, nobody thought Iacchini was the right man for the job except for... Rocco apparently and then even fewer people thought he was the right man to keep the job when he extended the contract Kev guess how many shots on target Palmer had one fewer oh zero then <laughs> yeah it was it was bad apparently they had five shots well I, uh, I, I watched the game and I can give you my notes which was Ribery dive, and then after that, did anything happen? Question <laughs> mark. Well, I can answer that with something that I tweeted. I think it was into the second half, and I don't usually like complaining about the quality of, of matches, particularly the ones that I'm at, because I realised that in any season, I'm in quite a privileged position to be going to Serie A matches every week. Given what's happening at the moment, I'm in an extremely privileged position to be going to Serie A matches. But at 10 past 10 on... I think 10 past 10? Yeah, second half, 
on Saturday evening, I just tweeted, nothing is happening because absolutely nothing had happened for quite some time before then. It, you know- it was dire, like really, really dire to the point where I was just trying to find anything interesting to talk about. And the most interesting thing I come up, could come up with was Eric Pulgar doesn't wear Pulgar on his shirt anymore. He wears Eric. That's a strange change of branding, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know if there's a, a, a reason behind this. I saw your uh, your threads you started, and I know there were you were unaware of the reasons that um, so Deli Ali doesn't wear his surname because of his you know absent father, I believe. Um, but but yeah, to to change halfway through, um, I remember others. Uh, wherever Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank was at the time, decided to start with Jimmy and then went back to to Hasselbank, uh, and and I brought up the 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 obviously very well known ex Liverpool fullback Steve Harkness who went to, off to play for Benfica under Graham Sooners and chose to have Steve on the back of his shirt as opposed to just Harkness, which is um, a personal favourite. Though I hope both of you remember when these things come up in quizzes. I think that is one of my favourite examples. Obviously, I went with Uri Kuchka, who wears Kuko on the back, and then Pulgar as my two examples to get the conversation going. Um, one of the best has got to be Lazio's Luis Felipe. He's referred to as Luis Felipe, so to confuse everyone, he wears Ramos on his shirt. Um, the Hasselbank one was good. Marco Jackson, um, FIF contributor, every once in a while pointed that out. There were some others. Teo Hernandez, of course, just wears Teo on his shirt. Lautaro, but... I think it's a little bit different because he is kind of referred to as such. Prince, it's a classic of the genre, obviously. Um, so if you do have any other examples of this, excluding Brazilians, because we know, we know, just don't mention Brazilians. Kev, have you got another example? Not another example, but uh, just another quick comment on this and then something that you were on before. There was a rule and I'm not sure if it was a UEFA rule, if this was a British rule, that you could only use a name that appeared on your passport or official documentation because I think it was Neil Ruddock uh, rolled out for Swindon or somebody towards the end of his career with Razor, and then he got a fine, and then that you know that was where I read this rule uh, was imposed by somebody anyway. Um, I'm glad but- you brought that up because I've had something in my head about this because it went on to the topic of nicknames in general. Tom Colomossi was getting in touch and because Kuka obviously wears Kuka, which is a bit weird. And the first time I ever got annoyed by a player's shirt name was Javier Hernandez, who obviously wears Chicharito, which means the little P. And I, that bothered me because I, I'm, I swear, I remember a situation of John Painsell Ghanaian, I believe, ex of Fulham. I, I believe that he had his name misspelt on his shirt for an entire season once because the documentation submitted had a typo on it. And because it was on the documentation, he couldn't change his shirt name. So he had to play with a knowingly incorrect name for the season. I don't know if that's true. I looked for it and I couldn't find any information on it, but I definitely heard that. Close to a decade ago. So if anyone can verify that for me, please, please do. At Con J Clancy on Twitter, you would be helping me out because I haven't stopped thinking about it. But yeah, shirt names, shirt names, shirt names, shirt names. Uh, that's all I've got to say about Parma, Fiorentina. I think it's, it's best that we move on. 
from that and where better to go to lift the mood mr doria than talk about sam's trip to sardinia they went joao pedro scored again as he does um Cagliari won two nil yeah yeah fortunately i just saw the highlights of this one because my father watched the game and he said it even before the sen- sending off it looked like Sampdoria were only interested in defending there. It looked like there was no desire to pose any sort of attacking threat to Cagliari. And, uh, you know, when I look through the, you know, all the highlights, um, yeah, Cagliari deserved their win. And, um, yeah, if I really got to pick a scapegoat, this time it's Lorenzo Tonelli. Very erratic performance for him. He pretty much brought on Algello sending off with that silly header. And that forced Algelo to try and pass it back to Aldero, which failed miserably. And um, he pretty much got sucked in into giving away that penalty to Joel Pedro. So, a very bad day at the office. Vito, what's your dad like? Is he just a classic Calabrese man? Oh, pretty much. Well, yeah, um, very straightforward, straight shooter, you know, with his analysis and... Um, well, what will shock people is, or maybe not, is that although his surname is Doria, he does not actually support Sump. Uh, he does keep an eye on Sump games, but in true Calabrese style, he does support <laughs> one of the big boys. So he's actually don't a, say it, don't say it, don't yeah, say it, don't say it. He does support Juventus, so that's why. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, that's why I used to support Juventus growing up. But once I heard of Sump, I thought this is my second team, and then. Yeah, probably for the last nine years, that's where I decided I'm 100% sump. So I really couldn't care about uh, Juve's domestic uh, dominance from a personal point of view. Just happy to support a team that bears my name. And uh, I'm hoping future generations of Dorias, regardless if they're related to me or not, can follow in the same path. A result that will have no doubt helped Vito get over his... His beloved Sam's loss was Genoa losing 3-1 at home to Roma. Kev, Henrik Mkhitaryan scored a hat-trick. He's kind of under the radar, isn't he, about the fact that he's still a very, very good footballer. Yeah, but I think because he's he, he can be somewhat inconsistent at times. Um, he, he had two or three other chances as well. He struck the bar early on in the first half before putting Roma ahead just before half-time. And he looked like he really had the sort of bit between his teeth and and wanted to be the game changer and, and was the game changer. But just too many times when you watch Roma, he can just, well, he just passes you by. You, you forget he's on the pitch until he's substituted or until he steps up to, you know, take a set piece or gets fouled in a, in a promising area. And um, excellent player. You know, technically he's always been brilliant. Even when he's, he, was a, he was at Ajax before they're making sort of his move to Shakhtar. No, he was, his dad was Ajax, actually. <laughs> I think it was his dad at Ajax. Anyway, he went to Shakhtar and then obviously came to the Premier League. That's how old I am. I'm sorry, lads. <laughs> There's only so many Mkhitaryans in the world as well. <laughs> but, um, God, I'm going to, I'm not going to be able to sleep before I go and check that out, that out now, but I'm sure it was his father. And, um, yeah, great player, but he just does, doesn't do it enough for me. Um, <laughs> Kev, that's 
you're going to be getting the Good Johnsons. Although Ida Good Johnson's dad's not called Good Johnson, is he? Because of the way Icelandic names. Tell me he's a Larson. Henrik Mkhitaryan was never at Ajax. No, it was. It must have been his father. Hmm. Uh, it must have been his father. It wasn't him. Yeah, it was. I was getting. Yeah, let's just ignore me. Anyway, yeah. Well, I wish we could, but. We're stuck with you now, aren't we? You came yeah. in to replace Nick one week and about two years later, you're still here every week. The thing is, I squeezed it in amongst so many fast words that you can't even edit me out. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I would anyway. If it's you making a mistake, it stays in. Um, Spezia beat Benevento 3-0 in Campania, which was kind of a shock result, I suppose, Vito, that it was that big of a gap? Yeah, it was pretty surprising because Benevento were at home and although we don't have uh, the home crowds to add to the atmosphere, you'd still think that Benevento would have given uh, Spezia a greater challenge, especially considering that they did win twice against the Aquilotti last season in Serie B. Gianluca Caprari has usually been an important part of Benevento's attacking play so far this season. So, look, it looks like that he was a loss for them. But uh, overall, I thought the Aquilotti were a better team overall. Vincenzo Italiano showed that he knows how to drill his team very well. There's a clear system in place. And uh, I think it was a very well-deserved three points. So, overall, you know, very great performance by by the Ligurian side, and um, there were a few players that really impressed me, like uh, Inzola got the brace, but uh, Estevez played very well in midfield, and uh, they have a bastoni of their own, Simone Bastoni. Um, as far as I know, he's no relation to Alessandro Arinta, but uh, he looks like he's a decent player in his own right. I've seen Spezia a couple of times. Well, I've, probably, I've certainly seen both their wins against Udinese and Benevento, but... Benevento clearly were not doing anything that Inzaghi had asked them because he was going Did you see his crazy. Face? And I would not have wanted to be in that dressing room after the game because he, you know, even if he'd said something to them during the break, they did not carry out any of it in the second half either. And he was going mental. The, the, the Inzaghi brothers actually are a joy to watch on the sidelines because uh, Simone on... You know, on, on Sunday, uh, yes, it was Sunday, and then you know, running up to celebrate with Casado for the equaliser. They are quite, they are quite good to, to to watch. If you could have Coach Cam or something that they rolled out years ago, didn't they? Player Cam and things. Yeah, Player Cam was actually quite fun, you know. Um, although you didn't watch the match if you were watching it because of the way it was. I I, I realize we've not spoken about Napoli yet. That is not deliberate. I literally just didn't see them on my list of things because I'm not wearing my glasses right now because funnily enough I can't find them I don't know where they are so Napoli went to Bologna they won 1-0 thanks to a Victor Ozyman goal in the first half Vito a win's a win yeah pretty much um, although Riccardo Solini had a chance to equalise for the Felsenay late on I think it was a uh, well deserved Three points for the Partenope. Um, 
know, even if the finishing wasn't at the best, at least uh, Ozyman took that chance. And uh, again, um, Herving Lozano, I think, uh, has really started to improve as well. So it's good that they have these different options up front. So even if they're not scoring goals for fun, if they can still have other options to help supply these other goals, um, again, it's good for Napoli just as the season progresses that they don't have to rely on one or two players to score goals. They do have numerous attacking threats that can make the difference. Cav, Toronto, Crotone, Drew, nil nil. anything? No, I didn't even bother to watch it, listeners. <laughs> I saw the result and I didn't even watch the highlights. Uh, Bonazzoli. I thought Vito will have. When we don't watch anything, Vito always has something on it. <laughs> Vito, go for it. No, look, I, I just uh, limited myself to the heights of that one too. And thank goodness when I was watching it on BN Sports here in Australia, Torino Crotone was the last game they showed. And yeah, it did look like a very dour game to watch. Luperto got sent off after fouling Bellotti and... Yeah, just a very poor shot at the end by Bonazzoli, who could have been the hero in that one. But um, at least Torino, they have got a win on the board because they did beat Genoa a few days ago. And uh, Marco Giampaolo, again, he's the Genoa slayer. So not always lost for the Granata. Oh, there you go. I saw sometimes a game throws itself up. And you just think you couldn't incentivize me enough to, to watch that game in my free time. Torino Torino Crotone was one of those. Torino had four points coming into it. They had what one point earlier in the week. Crotone had one point coming into it. Yeah, there's not a hope. There's not a hope I'm sitting down to watch that one. Sorry, Torino fans, if any of you are listening. Um, of which I think there might be one. English-speaking Torino fan <laughs> that we know of. Um, Kev, I think you know him. Yeah, I think he's he's local to me. And uh, after I came over and uh, saw you after Torino into last year. That's we, right, yeah. I, I was having a quick chat with him while I was waiting for you to finish up your, uh, your post-match duties. But don't blame me, it was Antonio Conte. I remember that press conference well. I was sitting there waiting for Conte to leave so I could write up the press conference and he kept trying to leave and the the press officer was quite clearly trying to get him out after about three questions but contact to his credit and i remember praising him to you afterwards but someone would just shout something as he walked out the room and he'd, he'd run back in and answer it and then get pulled out again and then run back in and then yeah I, he was it was quite endearing from him but yeah the less said about and big antonio the, the, the better at this point Guys, you ready? Sound time of the week again. It Do you is, know what the we have a problem? Oh, okay. I was going to say we've got a. There's, there's a positive here that we're not playing this game next week, Vito. It's international weekend. <laughs> well, that, that's the plus side, Kev. <laughs> yeah, until I call you up on Monday night, <laughs> guys. We just want to chat. Um, we have a problem, which is that I'm not in Parma at the moment. So I don't have my little notebook with the scores. I think it's 3-2 to Vito. Uh, yeah, that's true. Oh. Yes, oh, yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's 3-2-1. I'm leading. Vito that's won all. last week. So Vito goes first. 
you know the rules, yes, no answers, yes, you continue, no, you don't, if you're, oh, just don't listen to this, um, but from this week on, it's two minutes maximum, and if you don't get it, I get the points, so if you want to just fast forward, we're finishing after this anyway, so just turn the podcast off, it's done, this is just for me, okay, good, good playlist, listeners. are you ready, hang on, Kev, what? I'll say goodbye, listeners. <laughs> Yeah, see you later. See you next season. I don't know. January or something. Kev, you ready? Well, I'm not answering the first question, but yes, I'm ready. No, but Kev, are you ready? I'm ready, yes. Vito, take it away, please. Your time starts now. Okay, is this play Italian? They are not Italian. Are they a midfielder? It's not a midfielder. You didn't ask your usual question. Continue, Vito. Okay, is this a player from a club in the north of Italy? They are from a club in the north of Italy, surprisingly. Surprisingly? Mm, okay. All right, now I'm going to go Regent, <laughs> and this is where I should not waste time. Okay, is this player from a club in Emilia-Romagna? They are not from an Emilia-Romagnan club. Are they from Milan? No. Oh, okay. Uh, is this player from uh, one of the clubs in Turin? The player does play for one of the Torinese clubs. So that's you to continue, Vito. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. So is it a Torino player? It is a Torino player. We're moving in. Okay. Um, All right. Is this player a defender? Yes, it's a defender. Come on. All right. Oh, actually, no. I'm jumping the gun so soon. <laughs> All right. Um, is it Mergin Voivoda? It's not because I wouldn't like to have to say that name at midnight. Yeah. Kev, it's over to you. It's a Torino defender who's not Italian. Uh, is it Ricardo Rodriguez? <laughs> it is Ricardo <laughs> Rodriguez. 25 <laughs> seconds to spare. Kev has pulled <sighs> it back at 3-3. Three, three. Kev, I'm sorry because last week I said you'd never get back on terms with Mr. Gloria, wow. but I don't know what happened there. Veto. Well, all worried. the defense is foreign. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. I was uh, I was under COVID last week. <laughs> Point taken. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you very much. Um, We've been the FAF pod. We're not going to be here next week because it's an international break and Roberto Mancini is named the 41-man squad because he thinks he's Martin O'Neill now, apparently. Ridiculous (laughs) decision. I know he's doing it because of COVID, but that's nonsense. You could have just called players up as a replacement. Kev, you look like you want to say something. Well, I was just going to just scrap the international break. Yeah. I saw saw something earlier. There's a game between someone and Iceland and now because of the travel restrictions, they're talking about a last-minute change of the game to be played in Albania. Between and then you? The, I'm not sure. It's definitely Iceland in Iceland against somebody. Uh, it might be one of the, the British nations. Uh, now because of travel restrictions, they're talking about moving the game to Albania. Uh, you've already had uh, Ireland step in to play England after New Zealand said that they wouldn't be travelling due to covid sometime next week. This is my non I, I can't stand international football until major tournaments come around really. Um but yeah, interesting. Why are they bothering? Why are we bothering with all of the difficulties 
we said this we were saying this in mm. September to be fair when the first break happened um, yes yeah as Vito said let's put a bullet in this one um, uh, head to the website fortitalianfootball.com if you want follow us on social media if you want Vito say goodbye bye <laughs> Kev say goodbye ciao ciao those that are left and it's goodbye from me if you're still listening now have a word with yourself speak to you soon
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.